and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello and welcome to The Schism. Today I'm joined by my co-host Adam. Hello everyone. And returning to the show is a very special guest, author, researcher and revealer of hidden esoteric knowledge, Michael Feely. Michael, thanks so much for coming back and talking to us again. No, thank you. Uh, I think it needed a, an extra hour on the other side to actually continue with what we did last time, but it's, it's nice to be back, thank you. I kind of wanted to go back to some of the things we were talking about to do with aliens and their investment should we say in us as a species now what part do you think aliens had in our evolution and on the <laughs> subject of evolution you know what do you make of the ideas that darwin put forward for example which i would say is the general consensus <laughs> with people that aren't religious they they would they just believe in darwinism essentially right darwinism just like most of history it is a misinterpretation it is a largely fabrication and quite clearly, we didn't come from apes because they're still apes. We didn't progress from them because there's so many gaps in that theory that it just doesn't stand up. What you have instead is, is a unity that created the opposite of itself, which is disunity, which is duality. That duality enables us to measure our own progress, but it's, it is the only way in which we can attain balance. So if you imagine that the source and the certain energies that exit the source, and that is the creation of a soul. And that is symbolized by the dot in the circle, the monad, which ironically is also the hieroglyph for Ra, the Egyptian god. Now, Ra is seen as a sun god, but Ra was originally seen as the mouth and a speech. So in the beginning was the word, and that word is sound, the vibrations in the air that create shape, that create reality. So you have the souls that exit the source, symbolized by the monad, and they go across space and they, should we say, experience things, they separate and experience things and then come back to the collective. There are these soul groups that will have these experiences on different planets, which require a different body, a different chemical capability. So they appear differently. And as I said last time, if, if, if someone was to land in China and they never went anywhere outside of China, then they would believe that the inhabitants of Earth are all Chinese. They're not. We, are, we all appear differently. We all look different. And that is the same in different star systems because it requires a different chemical composition. And these souls separate and they have these experiences in different places, including Earth, Sirius, Pleiades, Arcturus, Tau Ceti, wherever you want to say that they have this experience and they come back. Now, the souls from the same soul group will have the same vibratory signature, so they can recognise each other. You also have the souls that exit as a singular, but when they come across a soul that has the same vibratory signature as their group, they recognise it and they can merge. A lot of people on Earth, including me now, are seeing people or meeting people and it's the first time they've actually met, but they know that they know each other. Mm -hmm. That is because their soul has the same vibratory signature and they are part of the same soul group. So where do aliens fit into this? Well, they are universal souls that exit the source, as do we. And they're just in a different body, in a different star system, experiencing a different vibration, a different frequency. Some of the positive aliens, I would suggest, are advanced spiritual humans that have been here, done what we're going through now. And as a result of that, they were no longer compatible with the Earth frequency and they needed to continue that experience in a different place. But when when you are the parent race, then you want to come back to see your children and make sure that they're doing well in school. And Earth is the lower world of lessons. 
And this is the kind of thing, the, the, the kind of places that, that they fit into. You know, some of them have always been here. Some of them, again, I would suggest were here before we were because we're not, we're not from this planet either. Our DNA is programmed in the universe and our physical body is created from an exploding star in the Orion Nebula. That's why we call our children youngsters because they are young stars. Mm. You know, we have this life force energy called chi, mm. which is why we call our children child chi, a new life force energy that is coming into this body. Why does a body decay and die? Because when that life force energy comes into a physical vessel, it slows down the life force energy, which leads to its decay. So at some point, that physical body expires. And then that essence, that soul, goes somewhere else. So we, we live in this, this this universe of cycles and recycle and the reuse of energy because energy cannot be destroyed. It can be reused, it can be changed, it can be altered, but it cannot be destroyed. And even mainstream science will tell you that it cannot be destroyed. So that is where aliens fit in. They're all part of the same exit from source and they all are experiencing their own things as part of their group until we all return at the conclusion of the Wheel of Necessity and we all go back to the original monad. Because whereas the monad is, is, is the point of exit, it is also the point of re-entry. And we all go back to that original source. So we are all part of the same family in essence mm. who exited from mm. the original centre of energy. I was going to say, humans actually aren't mm. too dissimilar to stars, Michael, in the way a star has energy and it will last for so long. But yeah. there will come to a point, whether it be our star, the sun, or another star in the giant universe, but no different to a human, they have a shelf life. And eventually they themselves will have to implode or explode and return to wherever they once came. As will the universe. At some point, the universe will also expire. As we know, it will go back to nothing. But in nothing is everything. So it recreates itself. It can never be completely distinguished. It can just be reused. So everything that we deem to be physical, the world of matter, the world of mother, the world of material has a shelf life because of that decaying life force energy. Now that decaying life force energy is what science calls electromagnetism, but it is life force energy that's in decay that is emitting that electromagnetism. So we're all part of the same galactic cosmic family. And at some point we all return back to the origin. Do you believe in the recycling of souls then, Michael? Where do you stand on the idea of reincarnation? Yes, because what when you look at the, should we say, the, the motion of the creator, it is the cycle, it is the circle. Now, we see creation, we see the, 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 the hands of the creator in everyday life because we see the cycles, we see the seasons, we see the cycles in our own body, we see the cycles of life, death, life, death, life, death, you know, winter, autumn, spring, summer. You witness the creative force in nature. So everything is subject and it is to a cycle unless you break it. So the reincarnation is also a part of the life, death, rebirth. There's also a living rebirth, which is when you come into the sacred knowledge and you basically create a new you. And that is the resurrection. That is the story of Christ and the resurrection. That is, that's basically happening within you, where you are changing, you are rebirthing, you are getting rid of the old, you are crucifying your physical body on the cross and you are resurrecting and you are rebirthing. So not only is there a life and death, physical death, but there's also a life and death rebirth cycle while you are living. Mm. But yes, in, in terms of reincarnation, it makes sense that you're not going to get this in one go. You're not going to get it in two or three or four or five or six or seven goes. So if, if your soul so wishes, it can come back and try again, or it can go somewhere else and have another go at another experience. And that is reincarnation. 
And do you think that would be over different species, for example, you know, as a human, I might not come back as a human next time? Or where do you sort of stand in terms of, you talked there about learning life lessons, like, I'm not thinking about it like a computer game, like you're upgrading each time, you know, you start off as one thing. And then once you've learned the lessons from that species, you progress. Absolutely. But but a lot of the problem at the moment is people are not learning that lesson. So they're coming back to the same place to do it again. And when you've learned that lesson, that's when you move on and do that lesson somewhere else because it is a higher vibration, a different place. When you look at the word human, the ancient word for God is you, H-U. So human is man in God's image. As the Bible says, he made us in his image, which is really God, because we are all burning embers of the central flame. So you have to learn the lesson first. And are certain people trapped and recycled into the matrix? Yes, I guess they are. Because again, everybody has a vibrational signature. And if you want to trace someone, then you can trace their vibrations. In the same way that people have fingerprints that are unique to them, souls have a, a unique vibrational signal that is unique to them. So you can trace people by their vibratory signature. And that is how some people are the ones who are abducted and seem to be abducted and seems to be a family trait because for some reason their vibratory signature is being traced and being watched. So yes, some people are recycled and trapped, but part of what I'm what I talk about and on, on different on other subjects and in different places is how to escape that trap and how to rebirth yourself and how to step out of the of, of the false matrix that's keeping people in that regurgitation and recycling. Because when you do and you change your own vibration, then you are no longer compatible with the false matrix. And that is what everything tries to keep you into. And of course, yes, some souls are recycled into that. And some souls are not because they're not in that time frame. They're not in that timeline. They're not in that dimension because dimensions are frequencies as well. And you don't have to go anywhere to be in the fifth or the sixth or the seventh dimension. You just have to align yourself to its frequency. <clears throat> so where does the new age turn around and say, you know, we're heading for 5D? You know, we're going to see people ascending and complete nuts and nonsense. You can, you can enter the fifth dimension from where you're sitting now. It is a vibration. It is a frequency. And if you match it, you are there. And if you maintain that frequency you stay there and that is what the false matrix system is trying to prevent by keeping everybody in a low vibration because then you're not going to go anywhere other than the three-dimensional matrix and that then brings in the NAA the negative alien agenda which is assisting in that they helped build this false (laughs) matrix yes that is keeping humanity locked in yes to stop us ascending essentially yes if you if you look at everything in in our everyday life Every single aspect of everyone's life is geared to keep them miserable and down. Whether that's contaminants in food, water and air, Mm. whether that's the constant bombardment with negative energy, negative news, negative things happening. Everything is geared to keep you at a low vibration. The whole of our society is manufactured for that reason. So when people just go with the flow of the third dimension, they are keeping themselves in the matrix. They're keeping themselves in the, in, in the density that we live in. And that is what all of this is about, to keep them there. Because when you keep them there, you can control them. When you create a system of belief that billions of people across the world subscribe to in one face or another, you are confining them to the rules and regulations of that belief. So you've got them, you've trapped them. When you create an inhumane system that we have on Earth, where you have homelessness, poverty, famine. We could eradicate that overnight, but why don't we? Because somebody somewhere wants to see that. Somebody wants that to happen. 
you know, ev every single thing in politics, everything happens because it's meant to happen. It is caused to happen. So the whole of this world, the whole of this society is made to keep people stuck in the quicksand of a low dimension. And when people start to think outside that fabric of matter, which is the cube, the box, when we think outside that box, something somewhere wants to try and knock us back by assassinating your character or censoring you or, mm. doing, or banning you from going to a different country in the world because they don't want people to hear what you have to say. That is trying to stop people escaping the control system. You know, the, the Bible that we have now was edited and doctored and authorised by the Church of Rome. So what people believe to be historical fact is a Roman edit of history. It is not fact at all. Now, the Holy Lands are not in Jerusalem in the Middle East. It is the British Isles. The British Isles are the Holy Lands, not the Middle East. And biblical characters are not real. They are metaphors for this rebirth of self. Mm. Everything controls the mind and keeps you into that low ebb. So with the false matrix... I'm trying to think of the kind of reasoning behind it. Like, do you subscribe to the idea of there are entities in a neighbouring dimension that are actually feeding off low vibrational energy? And that is the reason for this false matrix? The whole idea of Gnosticism at play. Yeah, like they're feeding off our negative yeah. frequencies or energies that we're putting out. And that's the reason to keep us in a false matrix is it's actually giving them their kind of fuel. It is, and, and not only are we just feeding them, but we are creating them by the way in which we think, the way in which we act, the way in which we live our life. We are creating these things. You know, you get lots and lots of people who are going to Glastonbury every weekend to cleanse the land, and they haven't got a clue what they're doing. They're having up portals and things are coming in. Now we have a problem because we have these things in our space that we have to deal with, and they are getting their food off this negative energy. They are, they are lower astral entities, and we are creating them, and then we are feeding them. And you have certain rituals underground that are evoking them. And you see, you use certain geometric shapes, like the circle, the magic circle of magic, the, the triangle, the square, that creates a safe space for them to come in in which to control them. And what they do is they then say, okay, you help me in this physical life. And when this physical life expires, I will be your servant. So you then become the servant to your own demons. And that is selling your soul. So, you, you know, you become quite a prominent figure in this earthly life and you have all the riches that you want and all the power that you want but there's nothing beyond the grave for you because you've now sold yourself to them. But yes, we are creating them. We are allowing them in. We are creating portals for them to come in. We are doing things that are enabling them to stay here and they are feeding off the negative nature of humanity. And, and what do you think when these satanic rituals take place at the highest levels of the so-called elites that are practising these kind of rituals, do you think that they are having interactions with these entities and like you said almost kind of like breaking deals with them will it be also for like information do you think like you 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 tell me hidden information or help me or help us in certain ways and it's like a almost like an inter interdimensional dirty deal it, it is um, and basically you you're entering into a to say a metaphysical contract a contract you, yeah you are saying help me and then I'm yours, but not until I pass from here. When you look at what, what is Satan, what is the biblical Satan? Satan is really symbolic for the law of matter, the material world. So as we were just saying, I want money, I want riches, I want fame, I want power. That's satanic consciousness because it, is, it, it relates to matter, it relates to material things. And what they're doing is, is they're, they're forcing people further and further and further into the material world. Mm. 
And when you do that, you're forcing them further and further and further into a satanic consciousness. And the god of this world is money, which is Satan, material world. Now, when you start looking at the likes of the elements in the elemental kingdom, in, in the elements, in each of the elements, there, there are the invisible inhabitants. And these invisible inhabitants, which are elementals, were basically renamed as demons by the Christian church. So a lot of things that we see as demons are elementals from the different elements. And you have the elements of fire, water, air, earth, etc. So these were renamed by the Christi early Christian church as demons. You have, again, in, in, in a creation of duality, you have to have what you deem to be two opposing polarities. Even though they are the same scale, they are different octaves of the same scale. And one of them you would deem to be negative, one of them you would deem to be positive. But in the cycle of the creation, the positive becomes negative, the negative becomes positive, and it's this continuous cycle. But we have this negative system where there are negative entities who are doing certain things in order to gratify themselves. Mm. And, you, and yes, it is cer certainly a contract. You tell me this, you help me in this, you help me to get this, and then I'm yours. I'm your servant for eternity when I leave here. And these are the kinds of contracts that are going on. Kind of wonder, because the sort of technology that we're seeing now, even in the mainstream arena, is so far advanced and it feels like it's almost come from somewhere else. And I kind of wonder, within these interdimensional deals, you know, are we being given technology that's ridiculously advanced or is that coming from aliens again, like re reverse engineering alien technology that's been found and we've not we've not been told about? What's, what's your opinions on things like that? The, the thing is, humanity is not told anything. We, we don't even understand ourselves or what we are or where we come from or where we're going to. Science, I think I was saying last time, Einstein's theory of relativity, which gave us basically the, the basis of our physics, of our science, was only half of an equation. So therefore, if you'd have actually used the full equation, then physics would have been different. We, we have information that gets fed through various channels. You get deals that are done. I have seen so many unorthodox craft in the sky, both day and both night. The one thing that I've never been able to say was who was in them. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's ours or if it's theirs. All I know is there are things in our sky that we have no knowledge of, that we don't know of. Now, whether it's alien or whether it's Earth, either way, there's something going on that we're not being told. Mm. So, yes, there are there are things going on in, ter in terms of the exchange of technology, the exchange of ideas, the exchange of certain permissions to do certain things. That is all part of, of these invisible contracts that are going on with certain groups. People think that governments run the country, they don't. There are offices in governments, especially America, that is called above government. And even American presidents of the past, you know, Bill Clinton and whatever he said, he said publicly, and I've seen him say it on TV, I've asked about this and they're not telling me. You know, I'm an elected president and they're not telling me. You know, whatever you think of elected presidents and I have my own view on them, you know, they are not being told either. So the, the people certainly are not being told. But there are all these deals going on and, and different things and different technologies. There's so much in our skies that is hundreds and thousands of years advanced of what we're being told. Some, sometimes it's, it's not ours, sometimes it is. But I don't know how to differentiate the two because we're not being told. I mean, I was going to say, Kennedy proved that in America, with the CIA. Yes. I mean, that's one of the reasons he was offed, wasn't it? Because well, he wanted the CIA to disclose <laughs> everything and they were like, mm, we can't really do that. No. So you, you either get assassinated or you have your character assassinated. Mm -hmm. And those, those are the ways in which to try and keep it quiet. Yeah.
And keeping on the subject of technology, what do you think AI is? Because people like Elon Musk, for example, have even said, with AI, we are summoning the digital demon. What do you think we're summoning with AI? And what is AI itself? Is it something that, in a sense, we haven't even created? It's always been there and we're just bringing it forth? The, the idea of it's been around a long time. If you watch, you know, the, the War Against the Machines, Terminator films of, of many, many years ago, Hollywood tends to tell you what's happened, what is happening and what's going to happen. Or certainly what the idea is, if we don't step out of this matrix. Hmm. And even even the makers of AI, you know, they say that when humans or human brains are, are plugged into computers, which is the intent, then, I quote, the human element is inconsequential. Yeah, that was Ray Kurzweil, right, from Google. Yeah. <clears throat> so so what, 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 you're, what you are witnessing is basically an attack on what it is to be human. But, you know, we've suffered an attack on what it is to be human for many, many hundreds of years through the censorship of knowledge, the keeping back from us what we truly are, what our true potential is, from all, all the poisons in the food, the air, the water, the, the microwave things that we use, which, which cause degenerative disease. The human has been under attack for a long, long time. And what you see now is a further attack and a further change of what it is to be human. If you have a complete intent on planetary control, you don't want loose cannons. You don't want people who are going to try and stop you from doing it and, and inform everybody else. You want to eradicate, basically, the opposition to that. Now, when you have everybody as a computer program or attached and plugged into a computer, then you are pretty much eradicating what it is to be human, but you can program them. And everything at the moment you will see over, over many, many years is all a grid, smart, smart mm. cars, smart water, smartphones, smart this, smart that. It is a grid. Mm. And that grid can be controlled by computers and by programs. And if you are part of that grid, then you are going to be controlled by it. And they want everybody in that grid. And this is, this is what you're beginning to see. Some people will call it progress. All the 5G masks that have been put up in my area when I spoke to the council, and, the, and I said to them, have you sort of balloted the, the, the local population? And they said, yes, we, we spoke to five people here and six people there. And I said, okay, and how did you sell it to them? What did you say? Did you say, are you in favour of the 5G mask because it's going to give you better internet connection, it's going to give you better smartphone connection? That's how you sold it to them. So, you, you know, you, you just picked a handful of people and you've sold it to them by saying, these are the benefits of this. Mm. And not once have you told them the consequences of this. And the only way they're going to know that is if they actually get off the backside and look into it. Reminds and me of something else. And how many people are going to do that? <laughs> now, because, yeah. because all of our faith is put into the hands of the wrong people. And unless people get smart very, very quick, you are going to be, a, you are going to be connected to your Dell computer. We're, yeah, you've got to be careful when you say smart, Michael. Yes, true, true. <laughs> in, in the future, we'll wake up in the morning and we'll have that Intel inside sound when yeah. we get up. <laughs> do, do, do. It's essentially building our own digital prison. Yeah. But it's being sold to us as, oh, it's going to be so convenient. It's almost being pitched as like, uh, this is going to be uh, our saviour. This is going to make us superhuman. Whereas it will be the exact opposite or make us Some. less than human. And I kind of feel like these people are, as much as they are, you could say they're Satanists or occultists or whatever. Like to me, they just seem like transhumanists, the, the, the elites that want to take over. But then maybe transhumanism is just another side of the same coin. 
you know what I mean? It's all kind of just anti-human. Yeah. Do they go hand in hand? Well, they do because because the, the, the previous attacks is to damage and harm what it is to be human in, in terms of making the body ill, you know, making degenerative disease and, and different things. So that is the attack on human at the moment. But if you want to, I mean, it doesn't eradicate humans, it eradicates some of them, but it doesn't eradicate what it is to be human because you are still human, even though you are ill. If you want to eradicate what it is to be human, then you start connecting humans to machines because then machines start to take over and humans become inconsequential. It is a digital prison. It is a surveillance prison. It is everything that you do, they know about. The reason that they don't pay for currency anymore, which is not currency anyway, it's just valueless uh, paper. But the one reason that they want cards and, and Bitcoin and all of these different things is because at every given second, they know where you are and what you're doing. And they can't do that if you are off-grid. And again, there's that word again, grid. We are connected to a grid because then everything you do and because, you, because you're attached to a computer, everything you think will be known by then. And that is the age that we're, we're heading for if we allow it to happen. Mm. As with many of these things that have been forecast and intended, when they don't happen, it's because we've somehow changed the timeline and stopped their plans and we need to do that again. I would say so, yeah. Sounds like <clears> a scary future otherwise. Well, before we go too far into the future, just go back to the past for a second. I and mean, when we've touched on the ideas of Gnosticism and this false matrix and things like that, obviously you've done a lot of work on the Egyptians and looking into what they believed. How much did the Egyptians know in terms of the kind of things that we're talking about here? Because they had a much <clears throat> deeper understanding of the universe and our place in it. The, 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 the people of the land that we call Egypt is obviously a Greek name for it, not what they would call it, but with that irrelevance, really. The, the, the ancient cultures knew about the universe, they knew about the laws of the universe, the laws of nature, they knew what, it, what the human condition and human potential was. They had access to really advanced technology. Some of it, you would say, is alien, and some of it is, which is locked into sealed rooms of the Great Pyramid where it is carved in metal that is not from here, which talks about all the access points into Earth, Earth's dimension in which these things are coming in. And all this is sealed into rooms in the Great Pyramid that have invisible doors, and those doors are activated by words and by sound. And when you get the correct word and the correct sound, they slide open. And these things are actually concealed in there. So they, they have the, the likes of TVs in there, which... You just move and they come on. They have computers that move the hand or switch them on. They have anti-gravity machines that are locked in these rooms. They have the use of liquid light, which is volcanic lava, which is a fuel that teleported them through portals into different worlds and teleported things from different worlds back into this. This liquid light is a fuel for spacecraft. How do you know this, Michael? <laughs> I've got to ask that as a follow-up question. <laughs> because it's written. It's written, and when you see the writings, you see what's happening. I watched a program with uh, Sharon and Jack and Ozzy Osbourne. Right. It's, it's this program, really, where Jack is showing them some paranormal videos. And right. the ethos of the show is that Sharon and Ozzy comment on it, and do they think it's real or not? And one of them, and he had no explanation, he was completely shocked when he saw it, and I think it's on YouTube. There's this picture where this, this person just appeared with a glow of fire around them. Right. And he was completely shocked. Now, what that is, is liquid light as a fuel for teleportation. That is what you, and that was caught on film. 
They, they didn't know that, but that's what it is. So when you look at the Great Pyramid, when you go to the top, south side, there is a rock, particular stone, that when you say a certain word in a certain frequency at a certain time, and it always has to be seven or divisible by seven, the rock opens seven feet and you go into the pyramid and you can actually get 980 feet down into the ground, which is almost the height of the Eiffel Tower down. And they were harnessing volcanic lava for liquid light, which is the fuel for portals, the fuel for space travel. They also had the ability in what is known as a spiritual concentration, which I have personally done, to move your awareness into another object so that you can see from the viewpoint of the object. So when you when you turn around and say that the likes of the Nazca lines, the likes of this can only, only be seen from the air, they were able to shift their awareness from themselves, for instance, to, the, to an eagle and look down. And it was their awareness in the eagle looking down at their monuments. They were able to forward themselves into the future in initiations, and they came back and documented what they had seen. Now, when you look at the famous carving of the helicopter and different things, mm -hmm. they are telling you they've been to the future and have come back and they're documenting what they saw. There was one particular initiation inside the sarcophagus where it was written that the initiate had these, these images and she described them as metal birds dropping evil eggs that exploded on the ground. Whoa. She was talking about World War II, and this was from Egyptian times, but they, they described it as metal birds dropping evil eggs. Those are planes dropping bombs. So they had such an advanced technology that far outweighs what we have now. And this has been recorded not only in the secret rooms, but also in the way in which these monuments are constructed mathematically. And if you look at the face on Mars, which is a mm. true face, not only is it a mathematical replica of the face of the Sphinx, but in its longitude and latitude coordinates, it tells you how to find Stonehenge precisely. Stonehenge, in the same way, tells you how to find the face on Mars. The Great Pyramid, in its longitude and latitude coordinates, tells you how to find the five-sided pyramid on Cydonia on Mars exactly. These are mathematical satellite navigation systems, and they're, they're, there's so much going on. You know, they are energy harnessing. They are the most advanced of computers. They are the most advanced of anything that we could ever know. And the reason the likes of the British government are now talking about putting the dual carriageway beneath Stonehenge is they know very well that it disrupts the energy grid of Earth. And it is the ley light energy grid of Earth that raises consciousness. So something like Stonehenge, okay, you've obviously mentioned that actually they are signifying what is on Mars and vice versa within their coordinates. But were they also used as like stargates? Do you think, or like what, what's the purpose of these ancient monoliths and these sites? When you look at Silver Hill, it is an exact replica of the Altar of Witness, which is a mound on planet Mars. So, yes, they are stargates. That is one purpose of them. Now, what, what you have really in, in Earth's waters, you have the geometry of consciousness in the water molecules. And one of the most purest places for that is Scotland, which is why Scotland is the original Holy Lands. And it is on the Rose Line. Rosalind, which is why we see many rose depictions in the crown and, and, and the ruling people. But these places, yes, they are stargates. When you look at the likes of the, the King's Chamber, which is off-centre, when you look at the altar, the altar stone of Stonehenge, it is off-centre because it, it, it gives you a different frequency, it gives you a different sound being off-centre. And that is largely where they had the initiations in those buildings. When you see the indentations of pyramids, they're indentated because it changes the frequency, it changes the octave. 
And by doing so, they were able to bypass the lower astral negativity and align themselves to a higher level of awareness, higher level of consciousness, just by the sound of that shape and altering that shape to create a new sound. There's so many different reasons that these things were there. You know, you have the Stargates. In August 1971, a police officer and a farmer was at Stonehenge because they had been called to a group of five rowdy men in the centre of Stonehenge. They had a campfire and they had tents pitched in the centre of Stonehenge. As the police officer and the farmer walked towards and approached them, there were screams and a flash of light and the five men disappeared forever. Their campfire was still burning and their tents were still pitched, but they had disappeared. They had gone through a portal, they had gone somewhere, they were never seen again and have not been seen again. So you are talking about portals, earth to earth portals, and earth to the stars portals. Well, it wouldn't be very good if they just suddenly, they went through the Stargate, they ended up in Mars, and they, they just died instantly because they couldn't breathe the air. Yeah. yeah but, well, we only have NASA's authority on that. You know, Mars, Mars and all other planets of the solar system are inhabited. And as I said, we have a chemical body, a chemical environment that we are compatible with largely because we live on Earth. In the same way, there's different chemical capabilities of other beings on other planets that have to have have to be different because it may be a different environment or anything else. But we only have NASA's say so that there's no oxygen there and there's this that you know that there there are colonies on Mars. Mars is like a halfway house for travellers to stop off at. It is inhabited. There are colonies there. The same as the Moon, same as the other planets of the solar system. There are monoliths and monuments that replicate exactly the ones on Earth, on the Moon, on Venus, on Mercury, on Mars, on the moons of Mars. It's not just an earthly phenomenon, it is a solar system one, and I'm sure it is beyond. But you can't, I mean, other than the, the face on Mars or the pyramids, whatever, you can't see any inhabitants. So they would, what, have to be underground or we're just not being shown where, where they are or the pictures we are being shown are just doctored? Or possibly in a different dimension on so, Mars. That's what I was just about to say. When you, when you get the, the, the film Total Recall, you have people living underground, which is true. But... As I alluded to in, in the first show, that there are multiple realities that exist around us, but because they are in a different frequency, we don't see them or we can't interact with them unless we tune into their frequency, whether briefly or long term. So you could literally go onto another planet and not see anyone, but just like they are on Earth, they're all around you. And again, so, using the analogy that while we're sitting here now, there's probably hundreds of radio waves coming through. Are we aware of them? No. If we get a, actually get a radio machine, and we tune into Art FM or Saga or whatever, you know on the same frequency and you know interact with that frequency. And that is the same with some of the things that I have seen when there's been, I've, I've seen three ma absolutely massive cigar shaped UFOs hovering above my town and nobody else could see them because I tuned into their frequency. I've seen things coming out of portals in the sky into our airspace. Mm -hmm. So it is a frequency thing. Sometimes you catch a glimpse as human beings in a five sense reality. One of my theories of gravity is gravity was created as a prison guard to keep us here, to stop yeah. us getting out. Because the gravity here, as we tell by science, is different to when you go into space. There seems to be a canopy of gravity that's keeping people here. As humans, in our five-sense reality, in our five-sense consciousness, which takes universal waves, passes it to the brain, and the brain creates a familiar world based on memory. But if you imagine the whole of the universe and all there is to know is a 100% frequency spectrum, as human beings in our current human condition, we see considerably less than 1% of 
of that 100% frequency spectrum. So if all of the things that we see, witness, smell, taste, exist within, is way less than 1%, what is in the 99% plus that we don't normally see? These are your other worlds. These are your other existences. These are your other realities and other dimensions and, and other star systems that we don't know of unless we tune into them. I can say it's no different to... You've mentioned this before, Michael, about we only see in the seven colours. Well, we know cats and dogs and other animals, uh, reptiles, see in slightly different vision. Yes. I mean, there's not really much difference there. Yeah, we can't even see infrared, can we? We can't. Again, you see, if, if you were... If you were to, to, to speak to a cat or a dog and you say to them, isn't that rainbow lovely? If they could speak in the way that we can speak, they would say, what rainbow? They don't have the, the conical facility in their eye to see a rainbow. To them, a rainbow doesn't exist. So if you turn around to them and say, well, rainbows do exist. I've seen them. This is the, the science behind a rainbow. They will say, you're completely mad. Rainbows don't exist. It's all in your mind. Now that then becomes the brain cocks of science. Because I can't see it. Well, it, it can't exist. Well, it does exist. It's just that you can't see it. So to, to try and explain and describe a rainbow to a cat or a dog would be completely irrelevant to them because to them, they can't see it. It doesn't exist. But we know that it does. But it's quite it's quite interesting. Like, So we can see the face on Mars or the pyramid. So that means that that must be a structure that's actually built in the same frequency as, as us. So yes. what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that in our current timeline, in our current reality, we see these monuments as static things, whereas in other timelines, in other realities, they're not static. They move and they morph and Stonehenge moves and morphs and so do the pyramids and so does all of these things, but not in our reality because they appear static. So what we see is what we see that is relevant to where we are in time and space and condition, but they appear differently in a different time and space in a different condition. These things really are magnificent and they were created to teach us. They were created to give us the key to escape human condition, to get the human potential. When we see a gargoyle on a church, the grotesque ugliness of the gargoyle is the human, the current human condition. But the gargoyle has wings, which represent spirit. In other words, we can get out of it. Mm. We can go from the human, the grotesque human condition to the human potential of spirit, where we can walk upon the wings of the wind. With with something like the pyramids, you know, what what message is it that you think that they're trying to convey then? Is it this whole idea of, as you said, ascension? Yes. You you have nine pyramids and the number nine represents man and the lower worlds. So the, the nine emanations of the lower worlds are in groups of three. So on the Giza Plateau, you have three, six, nine, nine pyramids, the lower worlds. The fabric of matter is the cube. Now, when you take the top four corners off a cube, you get the tetrahedron, the pyramid, which is the, the first manifestation of divinity in our realm, the pyramid shape. So divinity within matter is telling us that once we find our divine self within matter, we are represented by the pyramid, which is the ascent out of it. So the pyramid represents divine man, the God man, you man. You is God man the god man and we can escape the third dimension that is what they're telling us the, the sphinx represents man itself it has the the mathematics of the new jerusalem it contained within it the book of revelation because the, the bible itself is the giza plateau the sermon in stone that later became what we now know as christianity through hebrew and the kabbalah so that the pyramids and, and the sphinx basically are the secret way ahead of there that's what they're telling us 
it's divinity within man it's divinity within self divinity within matter the higher realms amongst the lower realms which is the ascent out and and you spoke about these secret compartments in the pyramids and you just mentioned the sphinx there like a lot of people say that there's something under the the sphinx what do you think's going on there because obviously the pyramids and the sphinx many people say they're built on a much much older site so there could be all all kinds of things going on underneath what what we can see well there is but there's also lots of things going on in a place outside of the third dimension so we can't see them and that's where a lot of the secrets are beyond our vision beyond our scope so the, the, the sphinx again represents man it is the twofold existence which is animalistic man or god man higher man so when you get the lower part of the sphinx it represents our animal nature and when you get the top part of the sphinx it represents our divine nature and it is the two existences that, that we have the choice you know the letter y the road to damascus it basically means the left or the right hand path we choose animal or god you know, when you see the, the centaurs and they're half man and half beast, that is telling you you need to overcome your animal instinct. So, yes, there are lots and lots of things underneath them. When I dated the Great Pyramid based on Egyptian star codes, I dated it at the current time of 73,440 years of age. So that's how long the Great Pyramid has been there. Now, the Sphinx, which is the guardian of the secrets, which represents man, which is where the initiates or the candidates, who ironically were titled Moses, which is really a candidate for initiation, is a Moses. As they go into the Sphinx, they then go into the subterranean chambers and the temples of initiation, leading them into the various levels of the Great Pyramid. So they are basically initiating people into the God state. And they are harmonic. They were built by sound. They were built by harmonics. They were using three-dimensional mid-air acoustics to levitate the bricks. They were using lasers that were created by high-pitched sounds to cut the bricks, and they have also, if you look at the stones on the Great Pyramid, at the top of them that are carvings, and that is the signature of the builders, incorporating themselves astronomical law and natural law. And that they're, they're really, they really are, that their, their secrets is how to get the hell out of here, is, mm-hmm. is what they're telling us. And do you think the people that are stopping the investigation of the pyramids and the Sphinx, like... Do they know these secrets or are they completely oblivious to it? Um, they, they know them. And you can see that they know them in the symbols that they use. Now, when, when you see the old CNI above the pyramid, well, you know, the, the old CNI is basically blindness, ignorance, passage to sight, which is awareness. And the pyramid is divinity within matter. So they know by the symbols that they, they use, they know these secrets. But what you have is a real sacred system of knowledge that was degraded or downgraded to a system of black magic and it is the black magic system that now rules the waves so it is the same the same symbols that they understand they understand the sacred knowledge it's almost like saying if you want to play a, a piano out of tune you have to know how to play it in tune so in order to understand it and stop people from realizing it you have to understand it yourself and they do understand it but they stop us through that knowledge they stop us from ever reaching it you have, you know, the likes of the, the, the Scarlet Council, which in the modern day are the cardinals of the Vatican dressed in scarlet, you know, the, 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 the new Babylon. And they pretty much destroy or hide ancient knowledge. A lot of it is in the Vatican vaults so that man or the population never attains that condition. Yeah. They, they try and stop it. Well, talking of getting rid of hidden knowledge, the Georgia Guidestones, which obviously aren't very ancient site, were got rid of recently. 
And they obviously had all kinds of things written on them that people would link to the New World Order and the depopulation agenda. What do you make of the Georgia Guidestones and them coming down in this pivotal time that we're in? The the idea of a one world order is not a a recent thing. They were talking about one world orders in ancient Egypt. So it's it's not this this recent phenomenon, you know, like under the George Bush era, it's not, it's, it's very, very ancient idea where a central place controls everything. When you look at the knowledge around the world now, that's come from the central place, which is the land we know as Egypt and spread across the world. So it's not a new idea. It is a, an ancient idea that's been continued in modern day. Sometimes it depends on who brought them down and only the person who did that knows their intent for doing it. You can see it as symbolic because people are now starting to put the pieces together in, in what the, what the stones are saying and what is happening. But you also have a system of, of double bluff where you can do things in order to demoralise people and think that it is symbolic. When all along they're doing it just to play with your mind. And they've accounted for this. You see, you have this ancient epicentre of knowledge that was downgraded to black magic. So the people who are controlling the world and beyond understand it, but they want to stop you from realising it. And But they understand that the nature of a person is we want to know, we're inquisitive. So some people would start chipping away and start to understand. So what do we do? Okay. We'll get certain things, certain symbols, and we'll give these truth groups a meaning for these symbols, which is different to the mainstream meaning, although it's not the true meaning either, such as Baphomet, where if I go to any truth movement now, I put a picture up of Baphomet on a slideshow, and I say to them, what does that mean? I guarantee they all say, it's Satan, it's the devil, it's Baphomet. No, that's what you are being told, because you are understanding a little bit more than the general population. So they need to start sending flares off the jet engine so your missile follow it. Baphomet is basically the father of the oracle, the hippocampus of the mind. It's not the devil, it's not Satan, it's the mind and the guardian, the hippocampus. The hippocampus means seahorse, which is why you have Neptune and Poseidon riding seahorses, Mm. because they are the gods of the water, which includes the fluids of the body. So it's nothing to do with the goat of Mendes or anything else that they're being told, but that's what they believe. So they're given falsity outside of the mainstream. So that you now control the mainstream, but now you control this group of people who think they now have the answers. And that goes into the UFO community, that goes into other communities, that goes into other truth seekers. They're setting off these false flares mm-hmm. that people, the people that start to see won't see the truth because they'll be seeing some other version of the truth. So I would say the removal of the Georgia Guidestones is an illusion to give people a false hope. Because yeah. when you have a false hope, you are demoralised. The amount of speakers and people I hear who are held in high regard and followed by many people who are giving specific dates for certain events, mm. and it is extremely foolish for them to do that. For one, time is not static, it is fluid. It can change. We can change it. Our perception of time can change. So what is now 2030 can become 2027, it can become 2035. It completely fluctuates all the time. So to turn around and say, on the 14th of October this year, this is going to happen. Now, on the 14th of October, it doesn't happen. So what do you get? You get lots and lots of demoralised people who think, oh, screw this. And what you have to do is you have to realise that there's a, main, a mainstream deception, but then there's little splinter deceptions for those who are not in the mainstream to then follow as truth, which is not the truth. It's a deliberate lie as well. 
and it and it always points to something external to yourself doesn't it yes. whether it's a religion peddling a false god or the type of things you're talking about like QAnon or something of that kind of ilk where they're saying trust the plan the cabal's already fallen you don't need to do anything other than just sit there and watch the show yeah whereas the only thing that's going to change the situation we're in is us so do you think it's all kind of a a ploy to take people away from self and again as we've been talking about through the whole episode this idea of ascension and and enlightenment um, ascension really is raising yourself because ascension just means to go upwards so when when you raise yourself then you are personally as an individual ascending. So again, you, you can take away all, all the fluff and all the edges of, of, of this magnificent humanity ascension of the new age era. Ascension is really raising yourself. There's only one thing that you can control and influence really in this world, and that is you. You have a system really that takes people from the inside to the outside to wait for saviours that are never going to come from savers from the stars that are going to land on the lawn of the White House and save us all. That is not going to happen. As I said to you in the last show, one of the first messages that I ever received telepathically, and I remember it to this day, we're not here to rescue you. We are here to help you to rescue yourselves. In other words, we're the only ones that can do it. The salvation is within. That, that is what salvation is. It, it is the salts of the body, which gives you the word sal, which gives you the word salvation. The salts of the body are the ones that, have certain anatomical ascensions that raises and resurrects your own illumination, the Christ, to rebirth, because the word Christ means seed. So that is what it is. And, and, and because we put our hope on, on individuals who are going to come down from the clouds on a white horse, we never get there. And we spend a lifetime sitting and waiting, and we don't do anything. And when we don't do anything, nothing happens. You know, if I sit there and say I'm going to win the lottery this week, and then somebody points out to me that I haven't actually gone to the shop and filled in a lottery ticket. I can wait for a long time to win the lottery because I've not done anything. And that and that all of these, you don't have to do anything, just sit and wait. Don't worry, it's in hand. Don't worry, don't, that's basically keeping you in inactivity so that you never make the move to change. You see, your, your journey, your path, is the only thing that you have control over. And in order to help others, you need to stand on rock, on, on strong ground. You don't stand, as the Bible says, on sand, because then you can easily be swept away. When you have a solid foundation, you can then help others. If I go and build a well in an African village and there's no water in the well, of what use is it? It's the same as, as, as me going outside of myself because I become an empty well. Of what use am I? You need to come from a strong foundation in order to help yourself and then help others. But everything is geared again to keep people looking outside of them which is basically forever pushing things away from you. Mm. And that's all a deliberate, a deliberate ploy. I get it. I mean, you can't build anything without a solid base in life, unstable home life, workplace. I mean, there's so many things you have to factor in, Michael, to have that solid foundation first. I mean, that, that foundation isn't a given. In fact, most times we are just, just <clears> about <throat> resting on the quicksand. You know, we're not quite sinking, but we are just resting mm. on it. At any one point, you could just, oh, I've lost a foot. Oh, I've lost another one. So I feel like the foundation doesn't come overnight and isn't, you know, a bit like Rome. It's not built in a day. I mean, what to leave people on a bit of a positive note, you know, how, what would you say to people 
that, that that want to uh build a strong foundation and and really get the answers that they're looking for in life so to answer that i'll go back to to the other part about sand it, it was given to me really in in a profound moment in bed but not in a sleep it was kind of in between sleep and, and not and i heard the words prisoners of the men of the sand and literally when i put my my right hand down to the bed the bed turned into grains of sand and i was literally doing this and sand was coming from my hands and this was in, in a profound moment the next day when i looked up what what does that mean the, the prisoners of the men of sand and i turned to, to the bible to, to to understand it basically it, it, it mentions the men of sand are really the ones who walk amongst the people without knowledge so we are the prisoners of the men's men of the sand we are we are prisoners of the ones who walk around without knowledge they're holding us back in effect and in order for us to progress and build a solid foundation you need to question and you need to understand and you need to be sure of the information that you have and you need to, you know knowledge is power as they say so you need to raise yourself you need to do the things sometimes in adverse conditions that make you happy that raise your vibrations you need to become as knowledgeable knowledgeable as possible and I don't mean the knowledge that Google or Bing gives you, because it, it, it doesn't come that easy. You have to work at it, you have to understand it, and you have to basically stand on the, the, the legs of the bed, which is a solid foundation. And when you see Egyptian pictures, they're standing on top of rocks. You know, when you see these these ancient depictions, they're standing on solid ground. Hmm. That is what it's talking about. Be sure of yourself, be confident in your knowledge. Don't be fooled by the people who are trying to tell you falsity. And until you can discern what is illusion and what is not, you will not make the transition from dark to light. So you need to see through the illusion, the Mayan, and the end of the Mayan calendar, 21st of December 2012, in my view, was the end of illusion because it was the age of Aquarius. Now, each age has its own buzzwords. So the age we've just come out of, of Pisces, is the I believe age. The age of Aquarius is the I know age. Mm. So it marked the end of illusion, the end of the Mayan calendar, Mayan illusion and that is your 2012 prophecy it's the age of aquarius that is what we're now in and as a result of that more and more people will want to know that the key for people to to work out from this is i could have spoken about 4200 religions of the world i could have spoken about each of the monuments and monoliths individually but they're all saying the same thing in a different way and the, and the key for, for for the viewers to work out is that everything that's been said in the last two shows is one thing mm. it's about them yeah, it's about self. Yeah. It's about self. And, and, and even if you look at the Bible, essentially, as you said earlier, it, it's all just a metaphor for self. Yes, just yeah. different stories to, to indicate that, but it's about self. Well, we always said one of our favourite, I mean, we're not religious. I think after all the, the stuff that went on with the pandemic, Michael, it kind of shifted our religion onto religious view as not as static or, you know, you kind of understood what people believed in. And always the kingdom is in, in within Heaven, in bodily terms, is from the solar plexus up. That's the kingdom of heaven. Now, Golgotha, the place of skulls, is the king dome, is the dome, where you get your wisdom, which is the wise dome. So it is the king dome of God. Right, yeah. yeah. It's all inside you. It's not out there. So when they're talking about the heaven, they're just talking about the the high chakras kind of thing. In bodily terms, I mean, in a heavenly mouse language just means the sky. Heaven in bodily terms... From the solar plexus down is the kingdom of earth. From the solar plexus up yeah. is the kingdom of heaven. And we go from earth to heaven on Jacob's ladder, which is the spine, yeah. which is where your chakras, your, your wheels of energy are, which is your seventh heaven. So your angles of light, your angels of light, go up and down the spine, Jacob's ladder, 
from the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of heaven. Wow. The king of Elm, the place of skulls, the Golgotha. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever partaken in any kind of ayahuasca ceremony or anything like that, Michael? No, I, I know lots of people who have. I, I, I tend not to feel the need to. I don't feel the pulse. Mm. I know people have had some really out there experiences, mm. but I've I never felt the urge to do that. I, I don't. I don't do meditation because I, I find it hard to still my mind long enough. But I just feel like understanding and having a greater awareness just for me what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think like for us too, like after we had that experience, it kind of set us on the path we're on now in a lot yeah. of ways. Like and we, that, we were kind of already on that path anyway, but... You ever experienced psychonauts? Even for us, it was the stripping back of reality, the ego death, the familiarity that you've been there before, which is so weird. Yeah. I mean, well, it definitely started yeah. us going down this route of like trying to understand more about mm. the pineal gland and then like all the stuff to do with Egyptians and how, how they were kind of partaking in these rituals. And they obviously understood that the pineal gland was the third eye and all the rest of it. So it's like it sent us down that road. Yeah. Didn't it? And, and, and we were suddenly looking into all this stuff because, well, let me put it this way. It leaves you with more questions than answers. So you you would think that you did it and you're oh you know I've I've found the answer to the universe like, no it actually gives you loads more questions but what that does is kind of send you off on your way like go and find the answers mm. because now nobody knows everything nobody can possibly know everything mm. but it but it gives you that that motivation to continually move forwards and again that mm. is where duality sets into play because you have a comparison you can see your own progression you can monitor your own progression right yeah, yeah definitely and when, and when you turn around and say Actually, I don't know as much as I thought I did. But then that's giving you a comparison because you now know that you need to carry on working. It's very humbling in that sense. It was it, it, it was very humbling. So, like, say not that, I mean, what, probably, what, a year or two afterwards or something? Yeah, when, the, when, pandem when pandemic. the pandemic come along. It wasn't a giant leap for either of us to go, I don't believe this at all. In fact, I'm not even sure what they're telling me even exists. Because we'd been through this experience where our whole reality had sort of come down in front of us. It was like, well, reality isn't even what I'm being told. Therefore, you're going to question everything. So when something like the pandemic come along, it was like it was almost laughable for us too because we could just see through the lies mm. because we'd had our worldview shattered completely by this experience that, that we'd both had. So it was a real blessing in that sense. Yeah. Is, I mean, from, from, from a higher perspective, there are certain events that happen that are a catalyst for change. Yeah. Or what give you the opportunity to change things around. From So from a lower perspective, you know, you see the, 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 the virus has been a forward step of the new world order and different things, which in their view it is, from a higher perspective, it is a crossroads of initiation. And it is, do I go that way or do I go that way? Yeah. Or do I go straight on or do I do nothing? And, and it gives people a chance not only to see, but to change. And you wouldn't see your change unless... There were these pushes, you know, the pinball yeah. machine that pushes you back. That's yeah. true. And, yeah, that uh, was just one one thing of 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 many. Wasn't of it? many, I yeah. Nine eleven was 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 another one. <laughs> yeah. For example, there's been like lots of things that have happened that have just made us both go, huh? What? But it's it, it's fun. You can only really, I think we can only both look back and see these events and see these things for what they are. At Le this lessons, if anything. Yeah. At this yeah. sort of stage that we're both in. At the moment of our awakening, I think it's wrong to say that these you're sort of, you know, I've had an awakening or whatever. It's like it's a process. Yeah. 
But I think we're far along in the process now that we can both look back and see things that have happened to us in our lives that have led us to the the point that we're at now, you know. I think when when you say an awakening, I mean, to me, just suggests that there's been a period of sleep. And that sleep is when you have no awareness or or very little awareness. And then when you suddenly wake up, you you know, you open your eyes and you can see more. Mm. It's an awakening. And, and it's a progression from sleep state where you knew nothing. Of course it is, yeah. So that that really is it is a it, it is a process, and and you know nine eleven was was a catalyst for many again. It's very biblical in in the timing and and the location and everything else, and it was it was a wake up call for many. Same as seven seven, you know, the same as COVID, the same as all of these things are these catalysts for change. Mm. And unless we have these pushes, then we'll just stay the same. And you then, have, you then have duality in which to monitor that progress. You know, yeah. if I could say to you now, how do you feel? And you say, I feel really well, I feel great. Well, how do you know? Because at some point you felt crap. Yeah. And, and that's your comparison. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you, 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 can only, you can only have this experience and this existence with a comparison. And you get that comparison from complementary opposites, which is duality. To evolve as a species, it, it feels like we need this uh, this stress and this and, and these things happening to, to yeah. actually force us to grow. If we were too comfortable, it's like we we wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. If you just think, well, life's good, you know, don't really need to. No, it's again you know, to do anything. Well, well, again, you know, you get the energy of the source, the creator, whatever you want to call it, and and it takes that energy and it pushes it through a a, a, a sort of access point. And that that energy is still part of the source, like the whirlwind in the river, you know. But it, it's it's separate from the source now, and that becomes the soul, which then separates and experiences. But the soul develops by having a physical body, and spirit develops by having matter as its resistance. So everything that happens is a way in which to enhance and grow through the resistance of your opposite. If I go to the gym and, and I want to build my muscles up, I use weights, which are a resistance. Mm. And that resistance over time, whereas matter are the weights for spirit, which then flexes its muscles and gets stronger and evolves because it has the opposite resistance. Right. At the end of the wheel of necessity, it is far more evolved and enhanced and more perfect and complete because it has had the experience of matter, which has enhanced it. Mm. I like that. We are all embers of the central fire, but eventually we come back to the central fire. Mm. But because we've shut off and have had all of these wonderful experiences, when we come back to the central fire, we are much more complete than we were when we left it. Yeah, it's in that sense, it almost feels like the universe has to sort of separate into you know billion different experiences. Yeah, and then come back to source, almost yes. like a you know they're going like a recce mission, and then come come back yeah. and said, oh wow, you know I had all these experiences, and then kind of report back to source almost I mean, whether it's negative or positive it, as, as an experience it doesn't matter because it's still an experience it is and if you put it in computer terms your central processor in this case god fragments but eventually becomes inefficient because it's here there and everywhere so it has to defrag and when you defrag you're coming back to source but in the meantime you are now far more enhanced and have evolved before you get defragged back to the mm. central processing unit where you become more efficient. But you've had all of these wonderful experiences during the fragmentation stage. Mm. And that, that's what's happened in a spiritual sense.
I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Schism. We've got plenty more episodes on the way. In the meantime, follow us on our Instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies. Thank you.